Ladies and gentlemen, this is Simon Cassidy, and you're listening to Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. Hi everyone, this is Alan McLucas, and I'm here for Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet with Mr. Simon Cassidy. Simon, how's it going? I am very well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you, great pleasure. How are you today? You good? Oh, not too bad, not too bad. It's January and it's freezing, so, and oh, it's, it's quite unpleasant, but... We're indoors, indoors. Yeah. alcohol being served, so how, how bad can it be? Exactly. <laughs> you know, as the goes on, more drunk we get, it could be more fun, you know. <laughs> that is the premise of my business model, if I'm honest. <laughs> Fantastic. So, we'll just get started with the first question. No problem. It's a generic question, kind of asked everyone. How did you get into wrestling? Well, I suppose kind of the same way everyone did. I mean, obviously, I was a massive fan growing up. I think my first my first memory of wrestling, which was, I would say is quite a good one, is um, Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior. And my brother rented WrestleMania from the video shop, and he was appalled. Like, I was nearly disowned from the family because uh, I wanted Ultimate Warrior to win. And then, of course, he did. But this was back before like, he knew the results. So, yeah. this realistically, this video was probably two years old, two or yeah. three years old when I we watched it. I it was real as well. What are you talking What? But no, so, like, so to us, this was brand new. This yeah. was a, a new event that nobody had seen, so like, he was tipping things upside down. I was a three-year-old jumping about ecstatic. <laughs> so that was kind of an introduction to it, but no. But it was one of those things, like, every day they say, oh, you grow out of it, you grow out of it, you grow out of it. And I never really did. But no, as, as I got older, I quite liked presenting and, like, hosting things, which was weird because I used to be cripplingly shy as a child. But, like, I hosted, like, the talent show in my school and I was doing wee bits and pieces like that. And increasingly myself, the now... DCT and two of our other friends went to see the first gathering which was uh, Scottish Wrestling Alliance's kind of big show at the time it was like 1500 people in Kelvin Hall and uh, we went to see that and I think it kind of sunk in we were like there must be a place you can, you can do this yeah. like training must be an option so we kind of looked into it found out it was Area 52 uh, which was SWA's old, old training school which became Source which became kind of current incarnation so we signed up that went along trained for a few months I don't think it'd be unfair to say that the let's just say the training regime back then was not what it is now right. people like Big Demo coming in and taking over school very much turned that around yeah. so it was it was a different a different breed back then it was right. a industrial unit in Linwood right. so I went in and a couple of months in I took a back body drop which the week before I'd been doing and I was great at the Blake I was actually held up as Sam could do it he, he was he was hitting them he was hitting them like that last week so I did went up and um, he's familiar with the term back bump yeah. so you're meant, you're meant to just go up in there and also a flip bump which you're just meant to flip landing and simple I, for lack of a better term kind of landed a mass so my back kind of went Bruh. I was winded took a couple of weeks off it was quite a lot of pain went and got acupuncture which is terrible went back took a power bomb which again in hindsight it was a different time for training <laughs> call on one that's clearly the, clearly what you should be doing Put my back in, and it wasn't a serious injury, but it was enough to make me go, you know what, this probably isn't for me. The five foot eight on a good day, Scottish fella, probably isn't going to be getting that call anytime soon. Um, so I just kind of stepped away from it, and kind of one by one, myself and the others that have been doing it, all kind of stopped as well. DCT, of course, went back a couple of years later, and... I'm assuming his story's relatively well known to your, to your audience. I believe so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so I did that. But I went away, I was studying, um, I was studying journalism at the time. I, had, I was studying my master's in journalism. And uh, I was doing quite a lot of work on uh, like Fusion Radio. I was hosting a couple of like, shows in the city centre. Mm-hmm. Just kind of random like, gigs and stuff. And I decided to launch a website, the first Scottish wrestling news website, WrestleShark.com. And, um, I remember that. Well, do you know the thing is, it was brilliant because nobody else... 
had it. All I did was kind of send a professional email to promoters and stuff, and they went, okay, that sounds good, come on in. So, before we were backstage at the shows, we were interviewing people with podcasts, we were like getting press passes, like, we, we never paid for a show, we were, it was proper like journalistic access we were getting. And all we were having to do was like review the shows, and it was it was going pretty well. One thing led to another down the line. Website was going quite well, podcast was doing quite well, and by this point, DCT went back to trade at Source, and it was a uh, he was heading towards his debut, and um, I, I can't remember if I'd mentioned it before, but I think I'd in passing said to Big Demo, look, realistically, I always just wanted to be a manager or a commentator or something like. I never actually wanted to be a wrestler because I think in my mind I was going to be like, well, I'm studying journalism, doing creative writing. Clearly, if I get a bit of wrestling training on my belt, I'll just be the head writer for Monday Night Raw, or I'll be Paul Heyman, or I'll be Bobby the Brain. Like that's that's the way my brain was going. I never thought I was going to be the world champion. Right. So I mentioned this, and then one day I got literally just got a phone call from Big Demo. Well, I got a text off DCT and followed by a phone call. Big Demo saying, "We've got our friends and family show coming up. Do you fancy trying your hand at MCing?" And that was six years ago. And the rest is the same history. <laughs> So it's a slightly convoluted route into it. Into it. Very interesting though. <laughs> well, that's great stuff. Um, it's either interesting or ridiculous. Yeah, well, my next question, you've kind of already asked, answered it. It was only asked about your time training at Source, but you've kind of went into quite a... Uh, do you know what, like, there's always that wee part of me wonders what would have happened if I'd went back a couple of years later, or what would have happened if I'd kind of stuck it out. Yeah. But you know, I think I think the simple answer is it just wasn't for me. Not that, not that I couldn't do the bumps. I could do the bumps and I could do the drills. And according to the trainer at the time, I was doing all right with the kind of technical stuff. Like, it was none of that. But I think taking taking one not that serious injury, I realised I was back after two weeks, and the fact my mind immediately went to that kind of made it. Uh, it was all over. That was game done. But and I think especially when the standards aren't coming out of the schools right now is so high. Yeah, I think. Certainly looking at now and seeing what other people are doing, mm-hmm. I definitely look back and go, oh, it was the right call. That wasn't for me. I couldn't have done that. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's worked out, right? <laughs> I would say so. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you're regarded as one of the voices of Scottish wrestling and UK wrestling. Oh, thank you. You know, um, so I, think I, I think of you and Billy, you're the voices yeah. of the show. And I'm, I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person who thinks that as well. Well, well I try. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you've kind of briefly mentioned how you sort of got into the back, back of the shows, but I'd like to find a bit more about how did you get involved with all these shows, especially so ICW and SWA? Well, it was, um, like I said, at the time, uh, Source was the the school for SWA. Um, it was Big Demo ran both of them. Sorry, Killian Dane ran both of them for anyone. Anyone not familiar with the older older generation? That's shocking that I still call it. Anyway. He's a personal friend. Well, I don't mean to brag, but... <laughs> but, um, no, so he had... He was kind of running both. And at the time, there was... There was another couple of people announcing. And one of them was kind of being used on the main shows. A gentleman called Chris Duke, who some people may recall. Won't, won't really go too much... It's too much detail around that. But he was emceeing quite a lot of shows. So I'd filled out a friend's family show that he can do, and Demo had more or less went, look, Chris is on the next couple of big, bigger shows we're doing, he's more experienced, he's this and that, fair enough. But you know what, we'll definitely get you back in for, for something. Um, there was definitely something there. But at the time there was also a company called Pride, who have a dubious history, but it was a lot of fun, that just got in touch with me and went, oh yeah, you can do our show. So um, de- technically my first non-friends and family show was to 15 people, so it was a smaller crowd, and two of them left at interval. So yeah, that was, that was it. So I started, I started doing that and then gradually we kind of started doing turn, turn about 
with the FWA shows and then Chris kind of became less involved and I got more involved and just kind of one thing seemed to gradually lead on to another I actually ended up getting a shot with ICW very quickly because I had filled in for Sean David couldn't make commentary one night and by this point uh, we were doing the, the big wrestle shark show on Pulse Billy Kirkwood was on that and he had kind of put me forward and went oh what one of the rest of Sharp Boys they they could fill in so I did that and was then kind of told I don't know if it's you know it's Sean David's Sean David's spot it's not good yeah fine no problem at all but they went yeah but we'll, we'll, we'll think of something think of something and then I was kind of doing some backstage interview stuff and then there was an angle with the NAK where Renfrew and BT attacked the former ring announcer because she was pregnant. She was meant to be taking time off because she was pregnant. The plan was I was going to get chucked into the ring after that to fill in as if I was just being dragged from backstage. So I got chucked into the ring for what was meant to be a one night fill in replacement gig and then I go back to backstage interview. I believe the plan at the time was Chris Duke was coming back. He'd been ICW's old announcer and I'm not really sure why but he kind of stepped away there was something that happened there and he was meant to come back the next show. So I went out did it Went quite well, I think. Holds up to the test of time. But, but it was a bit of a baptism of fire because you had the Sumerian Death Squad, you had Finn Balor, and it was the show that Red and Whippy went for the title. So it was a bit of a, a bit of an induction. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no <nae> pressure. <laughs> and um, no, so, so I did that, and that was, that was kind of it. And a couple of days later, I... I don't even remember what I was doing, but I'd left my phone somewhere, and I came back to it, and I went, oh, God, my phone's been in silent for a while. And I had three messages from Mark Gallus, and I just said, um, you're my new announcer. You sexy bastard. <laughs> Buy a suit. And uh, that was kind of it. Like, that was how I was given the position in insane championship wrestling. <laughs> I don't know if you had that on my job with you sexy bastard. <laughs> I mean, I, I, chose, I chose to took it as a compliment, you know. Absolutely, but, I'm, I wouldn't complain. Yeah, so realistically, in the space of about six months, I went from doing family shows in a gym with no microphone. Yeah. to what I would still say is one of the biggest independent companies in Europe if not in the world so that was there, there wasn't really an awful lot of like sending emails or asking for spots and asking for, it, things just kind of seemed to fall in yeah. fall into fight, place like fight time yeah. Uh, so yeah because I remember that I'm sort of new to the whole Scottish wrestling scene and the first time I remember actually seeing yourself was in the Lagoon for SWA oh yeah and I was with my good friend Scott Tilly who I think oh yeah, yeah and Scott was like oh, he's a Paisley boy he's a Paisley grandma <laughs> I'm like, no, he's not, he's like, hey, and then DCT came and goes, so is he. Good, good and this is, what, this is what piqued my interest, starting to involve more in the, the Scottish yeah. wrestling scene. So that was kind of like, and then Drew came, just came back after yeah. being released from WWE, and all the kids were going crazy, and you know, me and Scott were going crazy because we high-fived them, you know, like, oh, high-five Drew. Do you know I think, I think that's the thing, especially with the likes of Drew coming back and ICW getting so much exposure and insane fight clubs and stuff like that, yeah. so many people now know this is a thing yeah. that didn't before. Every now and then, it's, it's hard to not think we're taking it for granted a wee bit. Like, you hear things like, I see, you see all these things online, but this year, look, oh, the Hydro only get yeah, two or three thousand this year. Oh, it's like, what are you talking about? Mm. Two or three thousand? Yeah. When, just, when did we ever get two or three thousand people? Because what, the Gary's going to get two or three hundred or three sometimes? Yeah, well, that, I mean, that's more due to like health and safety and things now. Yeah. Back, back in the day, I remember my second or third show, we had 800 folk crammed in there. Wow. Like, it was swinging from the rafters, which... <laughs> I'm not sure how safe it was, but the atmosphere was good. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I enjoyed the hydro show this year. I, um, I legitimately think this is the best. That was the best hydro show we put on. I just, I, I think there is almost an oversaturation just now. It's, I don't know what else we could have put on that that would have got more people through the door. And I still think getting two or three thousand folk through the door in Glasgow, which let's face it, there's nobody here. Uh-huh. We're a very small wee country, <laughs> especially as well. Three weeks for Christmas. 
like no, I, I just think sometimes we take it a bit for granted. Like a couple of years ago, we were buzzing that Drew was in the lagoon, and you know, oh, you can do this, you can train. Now we've got training schools in Glasgow, East Coast, West, but like everywhere. Yeah. We've got shows every other weekend. We've got if you want to, you can travel down south, and there's all these promotions doing doing mm. something. They're like things are great. Yeah, this is amazing. Mm. Enjoy it. <laughs> well, I remember Drew saying, actually, when he came out and he came back to ICW, he said Scottish wrestling is at the forefront of professional wrestling in the world. And a lot of people thought he's talking nonsense, but looking back and seeing as now, he's spot on. Oh, yeah. And I think there's I think there's a lot to be said for that night in the, in the ABC, that when, when he came back and that promo that kind of caught fire around the world, we were already very much like on on the up like Insane Fight Club had been out and it was we'd already done the kind of first UK tours fine no, that was you been at the SECC for the first time but it's one of the things I think it was at the forefront because a lot of people were starting to become aware of this buzz that had been rumbling which I I cannot I always take it back to Dave's Not Here Man which was the it was the first show we did in the Picture House and it was the, through in Edinburgh and it was the first show that we drew and ICW drew a thousand people to and I, I've always said there was something there was something in there that night there was a feeling of this has always been a cool a kind of cool thing but this seems like the night when we could be on to something yeah. this could be bigger than just shows every couple of months in Glasgow this could be a thing and yeah. from there you went ABC you went Barlands you went SECC you went Hydro like it's unbelievable absolutely and I think he do, I, I generally don't think he was I don't think he was lying I do generally think an awful lot of oh, people yeah. message him going hey how can I get booked nice like I've seen messages to various pages of some well known wrestlers saying any chance of booking come on come on <laughs> That speaks volumes, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. So, I forgot what the initial question was. But <laughs> no, how did you get involved? I think you've kind of answered that. So, maybe kind of briefly touch this, but what is your favourite memory of your ICW shows? See, it's, all, it's always a hard one. It's very hard to look past the first time you walk, walk out of the hydro. Mm-hmm. It's it's very, very hard to look past that. But then also, you look back to... Like, Dave's not here, man. I will quite often say it was my favourite experience because I think it came about so quickly. Because, again, for me, it had been January that year. I had my first show. And in August... I'm standing in front of a thousand people yeah. in the capital city <laughs> uh, and we had Cole Cabana on the show versus Grado when they were like at the peak of their yeah. kind of like everybody wanted to see that with Sabu versus Jesser when I think everybody thought Sabu wasn't going to turn up because that seemed to be his reputation and I still just remember when his music hit that feeling going through the building of oh he's actually here <laughs> because I think there was a thousand odd people didn't think it, he was actually going to show up but then again you get the same feeling the first time you walk out of the Badlands uh-huh. because again it was the show that kind of seemed to have caught everyone's imagination and it was Drew and Jester and yeah. Heyman had been tweeting about it and it seemed to have this real buzz about it and it sold out all these weeks in advance And yeah. but no, I would have to say stepping out the first time at the Hydro is very very hard to overlook like it was you've got to see things that most people will never get the same dream of the backstage yeah. and then that picture's for the clock and the sign yeah you know what? And again, I think that, I think that's like I've always I've always very much taken the approach with wrestling of if this is as good as it ever gets, so what? Like that's incredible. Nobody gets to do these things. Yeah. For the last six years, I've got to travel around the country with my mates, seeing some brilliant venues, going in front of a great crowd, seeing some of the best matches in the world, and then to top it off, I've done four arena shows. Yeah. Like, what would I have to complain about in any of that? I'm going to be honest with my personal yeah. sometimes I get quite jealous I'm sitting in your lap I'm like, well, I'm, I'm kind of in an office all day and you're kind of <laughs> standing for the thousand people announcing and watching these incredible events you know you just say you're, you're lucky man yeah. you know you're all very lucky yeah. but 
I think on a, a kind of personal level, though, if we're still going back to like favourite memories, it's very, very hard not to say my favourite memory is around the DCT is the world champ. Mm. For anyone who's not aware of our horrendous bromance, myself and DCT, who's now gone mad with the heat down under, have been have basically been best pals since we were like 14 years old we went through all that we did the training together we did wrestling shark together we did school uni everything to that to go from from seeing him kind of you know struggling to get his foot in the door kind of getting a little something with polar promotions but getting a couple injuries just when they were talking about doing things and then kind of seeming to struggle to get into the rhythm of it to then in the space for a few months go boom he's got it that's it main event Stevie heavyweight champion of the world yeah that's to get to to announce that and like see your best mate are they like you don't really get much better than that I was there on it and the atmosphere was absolutely electric for both nights they were close yeah. to the end and that summer venue as well I love that venue brilliant venue I, I mean I don't know what the plan is for the rest of the year because I don't have that kind of authority <laughs> but um, I would love to go back to the, the academy I don't know what it was there was just somebody if everything felt bigger and electric and yeah. like the guys the pod we were kind of talking about it was like it's almost like built for wrestling yeah it's oh, tremendous funnily enough not a couple months before I'd been at a gig at it going wrestling would be great in here but then I kind of convinced myself it wouldn't because it was ash probably can't really use the balcony and it's great ah oh, no it might not probably wouldn't work and then we did it and you know it's like oh well, I was spectacularly wrong about that yeah <laughs> but no so that was about, that was about four memories but and there's probably several I've forgotten. Yeah. And those are just the ones in the ring. Those other ones I'm not allowed to talk about. <laughs> I don't blame you. I mean, some of them are tremendous. I, as I'm relatively new to the Scottish SC. Yeah. I'm struggling to think of favourite memory, so I can imagine what it's like for yourself. It's I mean, difficult. I mean, honestly, at this stage, it's getting to the point where it's more worrying that people have now spoken to me about shows that I've gone. <laughs> and they go. I remember so and so worked so and so um, over in over in, uh, in, in East Cobride. Did he? <laughs> was that there? Aye. Where was that? Two years ago. Nah, it doesn't ring a bell, mate, does it? <laughs> you sure that? <laughs> like, there, there are shows I don't remember. And then people show me pictures of it and I go, <laughs> and it's not it's not a slate on the shows, it's just, I think it's that stage I've now, I've now done that many. You, uh-huh. It's inevitable you're going to forget something. <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> so, you've kind of already mentioned this, and you were talking about your favourite announce, show to announce, which is a hydro. So, I'm going to go to my next question here. What is your favourite ICW entrance music? Oh, current or past or? You know, any era you want. I don't know. I mean, it's hard not to say like a prayer, but I don't actually think that's my favourite. What is my favourite? I think Mark Coffey's just now is amazing. Yes. I genuinely don't know. Maybe, maybe Joe Coffey's Iron King music, <laughs> like the old one. Yeah. Maybe that one, because it fell quite big time. Yeah. Or Jackie Polo's current one. I don't know. See, I remember talking about the pod. <laughs> we were kind of tied between the three, so we had like Gredos. Okay. We had got Stevie Boy. Oh, that's a shout. Stevie Boy's and. I was kind of on my side. I thought why that because I can't get that song in my head. That is a tune, to be fair. Yeah. You know the old conspiracy theory that your phone listens to you? Yeah. Mine definitely does. Because I have never searched anything remotely related to it, and the other day Spotify recommended Lionheart's music, immediately followed by Jackie Polo's. And I don't know what algorithm it's used to get there, other than listening to me. Yeah. So, you know, conspiracy. Just <laughs> throwing that out there. Well, you're giving me the fear. <laughs> um, you should. Big brother's out there, man. 
I know I just got the Alexa for my fiance for Christmas and they started randomly talking about good night. Oh I can't I can't buy an Alexa. I'm, I've made my peace with the fact that I'm too obsessed with my phone to go in and turn off all the microphone things because frankly I'm lazy and I like the convenience yeah. but Alexa frightens me and I don't know why <laughs> like nah I think back here for <laughs> you can't admit that it's on the radio she knows okay so I'm going to spin around slightly same question but with WWE favourite WWE music I don't know see the problem is I think I keep getting torn between what ones do I like personally and what ones get the best reaction but the reaction doesn't really relate to the music it's more person I remember one of the biggest pops I've ever had in my life was when I heard Daniel Bryan's music was going to be Ride of the Valkyries Mm -hmm. just because it was so unexpected best music (laughs) to a degree it's got to be Stone Cold right because the glass smashing is probably the most iconic sound wrestling's ever had aside possibly from Hulk Hogan probably the gong for Taker ah <laughs> I, you know what I, did, I don't know the nasty voice team tune <laughs> fair enough fair enough ok so next question I've got actually from one of our panellists Scott McLeod ok it's a double barrel question firstly why is it your fault and also is there anything that isn't your fault I mean nothing is my fault I am without blame in many ways a sainted man but um, right there seems to be there, there seems to be a bit of dissension among various people telling different stories but as the man who's had scores of thousands of people shouting it at them <laughs> on a weekly basis for nigh on five years now <laughs> I can assure you I remember where it began so it was um, it was an ABC Okay. and Billy was making a joke about the Commonwealth Games opening ceremony and the dancing Turks tea cakes uh-huh. and how rubbish it was and this seemed to get it kind of steamrolled from there and on a whim it turned around and went and that's your fault Simon and then the crowd started chanting it's your fault and then two seconds later he made another joke about something to do with a member of his family being dead and somebody shouted it's your fault and he turned around and went did you do that? did you kill them? And the crowd started chanting, it's your fault. And it has now haunted me up and down the road on every show for five years. Not a bit. There's no animals in here. Oh well, um, five years. Simon Scott Clouds he wants he asked for it <laughs> so yeah another question <laughs> don't worry it's not for hope Scott wanted to know how did you feel about announcing the secret show at the asylum at the end of last year oh it was such a buzz I love the idea well, me, me and um, me and Sean McLaughlin had been talking about it literally the week before where we said I wouldn't be great if it was just a show you didn't announce anything just nothing was announced and that was it like just day of the show blah blah because pro- pro- I think progress kind of do it with uh, their unboxing show but I think there's always some details of that I could be wrong totally wrong about that and I remember years ago ICW did uh, did a show in the garage that sold out without anything being announced and it was just that kind of surprise buzz of everything I think also the fact that I kind of got to have a bit of fun with it and like you know there was a match that turned into a tag match while they were in the ring after a promo and then there was, I think just the spontaneous reaction of people not knowing what's coming and then that kind of ripple of realising people start to recognise the theme music and then or maybe they've not recognised it and something comes out or something no it was amazing I want them to do more I, th- I think they plan to do more right I'll ask it to you yeah 
if I'm honest, my dream with the one fall session is I just announce a date, don't tell anybody who's on it, and it sells out. I'll be that. I just like the idea of just you don't know what you're getting, but for some reason, folk always want to know. Yeah, which I find weird. I think anticipation just gets to people because I remember seeing it was announced. We were talking about it in the group chat, and we were floating WWE names. Like, we were saying, no, no, Killian Dean's going to be there. Like, is he? I don't know. I'm looking to see the link. If I like WWE, they're going to be here. <laughs> and they're like, oh, but you know who's doing the progress? Or, you know who's doing the investment? And everyone's just going on and yeah. like, can we just, we'll just wait. Let's just wait. <laughs> that's, what, that's, what, that's what you want. Yeah. Like, you want speculation. You want people yeah. talking about it. But well, it definitely worked. It definitely yeah. worked. Sadly, I wasn't able to go to it, but the guy from the pod that did go to the set there was incredible. Oh. They loved it. I, I think next time it will get, I think next time it will be an easier sell because I suppose, and Red, Red Lightning said this himself, with it being a kind of training school show, I think there was an assumption that it was going to be a kind of trainee showcase and it's hard to tell people otherwise, whereas I think now that it's been that people have seen what was on it, they'll, they'll get, next time it out it's one they'll go, oh that was right, good last time, we should go. <laughs> don't do a question, they'll just go. Yeah, they'll just go. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so this is the question I've been desperate to ask you since I found out I'm going to do this interview. Go on. How did the one fall sessions come about? Well, it's basically as I kind of mentioned, I, d- I kind of done a few radio shows and podcasts and things. And uh, just just for a start, that's when I was doing uh, the ICW podcast, which was everyone was entirely in character. That was it. And my logic at the time was everyone's doing behind the scenes like kind of shoot interviews. So I'm just going to do the absolute opposite. Like, everything is going to be in character. It'll be a platform to put my storylines and this and that. And it worked okay. It got kind of decent, decent hits. It got decent views. But I always kept coming back to the idea of be great to do this live. Like, I always watched, of all things, Graham Norton. I always watched the Graham Norton show. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> I always watched it and went, there's got to be a way that somebody can do a wrestling talk show. Like there has to be, and I could never figure out why nobody had tried it. So, like for years, I kind of toyed with the idea, I toyed with the idea, and then I was like, oh, maybe I could do it as a podcast. And there was one night, I think it was Polar Promotions did uh, a kind of a night, a night down in Target Wrestling. That it was just the two of them sitting and interviewed, and it's, it sold quite well. And it was Mark kind of came back and went, you know, you've been kicking this idea around for a while. Okay, what we did down there wasn't quite what you've. It wasn't what you've got in mind, but the theory is similar. Like, that was just an evening with. You can play, like, inside the ropes, do their big tours with big American names. You get, like, it was becoming quite a common thing for people to do spoken word tours with wrestlers. So it just kind of seemed like, maybe we just do it. Like, maybe just find a room and give it a bash. So we, I managed to get a hold of, it was at the time, the lands down. I think it held, th- like, 30 people. And announced it, and it sold out within about four days. And I went, oh, okay. So that worked. But going into it still going, I don't really know what this is. Like, I'm not 100% sure what I'm doing. So the idea switched from, at first it was going to be a Comic-Con style panel. And we're just all going to be up on stage. There'll be different questions for each person. And there'll be quite a bit of crowd interaction. Then that, I don't really know how that got abandoned. It just did. And then it changes to, no, everyone will come up one at a time. And then you get a kind of individual interview. And it'll just keep going until everything's up on stage. And we'll record it as a podcast. And we'll put a podcast version. So I actually recorded the first show. And then for one reason or another, decided that was a bad idea. <laughs> and then, um, so I did, a, did another one a few months later. And it was just, okay, 
I think I literally got on stage at the start of it and went, okay, so just to quickly explain, for anyone that's here before, it's not going to be a podcast. <laughs> no recordings. Yeah. Just my, my whole concept went into it. Again, a similar logic to everyone's doing behind the scenes shoot interviews, everyone's doing podcast. Like, well, the total opposite way to go is if you want to see it, you have to be there. So, how do you make sure people have to be there? Don't record it. Ban recordings. Just, yeah, it's just not allowed. It's just not allowed. And if you do, the crowd will police it. Yeah. Like, because you never see anything leaking online. I've, I'm, I fully believe people like talk among themselves. But no one posts videos, no one posts pictures, no one like. So if anyone is, they're very, very quiet about it. And it's created this kind of atmosphere of, oh yeah, you, you have to be there if you want to see it. And I think even over the last few, few months, it kind of evolved into different people on it. And I kind of rotating, kind of rotating cast with some regulars coming back. It's no, it, it seems to have evolved quite, quite naturally. Yeah. And no, I'm, I'm actually really happy with it now. Yeah. Like just keep it going. Well, somebody's been going now pretty much since middle last year. I absolutely yeah. love it. I gave you a same phone. I got a text message from my fiance at the last one. I, I literally just went to look at it and I could feel people looking at me. I didn't pull my camera out. I just looked. It wasn't the mouse and I put my phone back and the eyes I was getting because of my phone out. I'm like, I can't record. I just check. We did, we did a show once where we told Jackie that he was allowed to police police the telephones. See, this is what I heard before I came. And um, he took that very literally and actually up and took people's phones. And I think folk thought he was kidding. And they kind of went, all right, all right, kind of gave me it back. And he literally took them to another room and hit them. <laughs> like, that was, like... Jackie takes things very literally as a human being. <laughs> like, he will... If you tell him he's allowed to do something, he'll, he'll just do it. So that was... We, we dialed it back a bit from the actual policing of it, but... Yeah. <laughs> it sent a message, I feel. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm mad. Yeah, because the very first one I went to, uh, just before Shugs, you had DCT, you had Viper, yep. you had Coach, and you right. had Jackie Cole, but also just Justice randomly appeared. Yeah. And it disappeared. You know, it's, it's really interesting to have two, the two of them on the show at the same time. It's really weird. Fascinating. Jackie just gone with that, yeah. he's back. He's a real life Undertaker. Oh yeah. He really no, is. Nobody knows where he is. <laughs> Death Valley somewhere probably. Probably. You know, somewhere in Texas maybe. <laughs> Chasing down just justice. Right, well, just getting to what you were saying here. Did you ever have trouble convincing fans to come on? Whereas, I'm not going to say what, but they'd like to tell certain truths, which is um, recordings, comes in, they help them. Have they, they ever struggled to pull people in to, to come and talk? Not really, to be honest. It's, I think the, the initial reaction to it was, I don't know what, for some reason after a couple of shows, it seemed to end this reputation of, it was just a kind of a shooting gallery, just a burial ground, and they're just going there and slagging everything off, and they're doing this, and they're doing that, and the next thing, which, which it never was. But I think, I think people perceived it as, oh yeah, that's what's happening. That's why they're not recording it, so they don't get in trouble and they keep their bookings and blah 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 blah. Yeah. But in reality, it was just all you ever see online is people moaning about, ah, oh, everybody's a phone out of this gig. Nobody's enjoying it. Nobody's living in the moment. It, it was that. It was okay. I'll ban phones. Now you have to. You have to watch it. You need to like, and that was all it ever was. But then because it was the same guests on a few times with like someone that's perceived to be a mate on with them, that kind of continued through well. So there was never an issue convincing people to be on. But I think you always kind of felt there was a bit of tension afterwards because people were going, all right, what have you been saying? So I think actually then some, when they realised like other guests were coming on and it wasn't the same thing and it was starting to get, yeah. people were, the word was starting to go that, oh, 
Oh, it's a laugh. All uh. oh, right. All right, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> and so, again, I think that was just part of my kind of a teething process. There was never yeah. any real, there was never any real issues with it. Mm. And no one's ever come and went. What have you been saying about me? Like, I think there was just that kind of, you know, that way you get a feeling. Yeah. But um, so I think you know that's kind of come through. They'll say that it's now, it's now very easy to get full on to be honest, mm. which is great. Yeah. <laughs> And if you ever get a chance to go, go, I highly recommend it. It is well worth it. It's hysterical. And I'm pretty sure Billy Kirkwood's trying to kill me. Because I'm always the guy at the back coughing his guts up after Billy's cracked something. And so if you ever see something, you ever get a thud, it's just me. I've passed out coughing Billy. Fair enough. Uh, you, get quite, you get quite conscious of it and you're like, you're trying not to fall. <laughs> and then like, people are looking and you're like, oh God, because Billy's trying to kill me again. And you're looking at me sometimes and you're like, oh. But, um, no, again, I think, I think that was like, you know, obviously we're doing, we're doing the show at the Glasgow Comedy Festival, yeah. um, which is uh, the, the kind of biggest one, biggest one I've ever done. It's in the, the Admiral Bar. So the lineup is we've got the return of Just Justice um, after he publicly severed connections with one fall uh, toward the end of last year. Don't know why. I think him and I think him, him and somebody else had a tiff. I don't think it thought it'd be appropriate. But anyway, um, he we've got uh, Liam Thompson coming on for the first time, which. I am absolutely buzzing for him because Liam just seems to have over the last few years been on this role where he's just funny. Like I've I don't know what it is. It just seems to have found it. There was it was actually on a tour. He he hurt his neck one night, so had to miss the next night, so he just came out and did a promo. And he cut this ridiculous borderline rambling promo about there being a lot of bald men in Nottingham. And how so there was a guy called Steve, and he was like Steve, 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 like just this ridiculous thing that everyone went backstage and went, that was amazing. Like you know that moment you go, you're waiting for something like the kind of the it factor. Yeah. For some reason, this was it. Yeah. And I think it's always been who he is. He just never kind of put it out in public. Uh-huh. And the fact that. Fast forward a couple of years. I think is one of the most popular characters in the show. Yes. Because Liam seems to be having some kind of I don't know if it's a relationship or <laughs> a connection. Like it's like if you took Perry Saturn and Moppy and dialed it up and made it more entertaining. Yeah. Like that's that's it. So he's gonna be on the show. Yeah. And I'd, I've got to be honest, I don't really know what to expect. <laughs> yeah, we've got. Try and talk about anything you sing. I mean, I'm gonna give it a bash. Yes. I'm pretty sure half the ticket sales so far are contingent on this thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, they're not non-refundable. But, <laughs> but uh, we've got uh, Andy Andy Wild, the yeah. the dad bod god who my hero. Honestly, I, I've been absolutely I've been loving him for the last year or so. But you know another thing, look, last year or so that sounds harsh. I've always loved Andy Wild, but again he seems to have kind of found his stride and really have kind of hit a hit a role. But the other thing is anyone that that watches Andy Wild on like Twitter or Facebook and he's kind of adventures of like his daughter asking for a van and him buying one stripping it out and turning it into a touring van and like I, I really I've got this image in my head that Andy Wild's that guy that knows the answer to everything that you don't like how do you go about plumbing that I can just imagine him like casual walking past going oh that's easy you just take an 8x10 you pull that down you put it back in job done and he would just walk off into the night like that's just what I imagine he's like in day to day life and he just so happens to be an outstanding professional wrestler at the yeah. same time so we good we've got uh, Billy, Billy Kirkwood as always yeah. joining me joining me the show and I uh, just announced I was going to say today but by the time it's out it'll be sometime recently <laughs> um, this for, week for 
quite literally one night only, uh, we've convinced uh, Carmel Jacob to get back in the microphone. For anyone who is a bit newer to ICW, Carmel is the first ICW Hall of Famer. Um, she's literally one of the originals, one of the kind of absolute pioneers. The matches her and Kaylee Ray had with like the men in the roster and with each other kinda showed there was a women's revolution before the women's revolution. They would just absolutely murder each other. They had last women standing matches, they had like street fights, brawl, death matches, like just you name it, they did it. I, be- I believe, I could be wrong on this, I might be making this up. I think they were part of the first ever intergender death match. Certainly in Scotland it's not the UK but I need to be checked on that but on top of that she was always one of the absolute best on the microphone like the thing that seemed to hold her above everyone else for so long was just these like the the pipe bombs she would drop and you could feel the room go oh and if that's not perfect for a one fall session (laughs) I don't really know what is so literally first time in two years one night only Carmel is back I'm buzzing for it and possibly playing second fiddle to Liam Sink Um, as some people may not know they're married <laughs> so I'm not sure where the sink fits into the family home. But, <laughs> but you know. Um, moving swiftly so. on. So this question I have comes from the draw. Oh. So the draw wants to know. So Viper, by the way, not um, not another individual that goes by the name the draw. No, no. Unless it is, that'd be weird. No, no. This Sammy is the Callahan draw. hit me up with question. This is the draw. This is Viper. She's asked me to ask you about the bloodening story. No, 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 no. Right, there are far too many examples of this online, and frankly, if you dig deep enough, you will find the bloodening story. Bloody Drew McIntyre made me tell it on a live podcast. Billy made me tell it on a live podcast. I'm pretty sure somebody made me tell it on FM radio once. <laughs> there will be no reciting of the bloodening. Long story short. I was once dating a young lady, and that is all I am going to tell you of that story. <laughs> that's that's it. Viper knows. I get just. <laughs> well, um, you, 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 you really don't. <laughs> it's like a horror movie. Um, okay, well, thank you to Viper for that question. <laughs> I am not thanking Viper for that question. I am. She's the draw. I may. I may, I think I need to explain why she's called the draw. On you go. For any for anyone who's not been to a one fall session featuring the draw, we announced her for a show recently. Well, really, there's two examples. One, I announced her for a show at the start of the year, and sent her her kind of mailing lists just with her in it. And the picture may have been her in a bikini, which you know is available on uh, Viper's Patreon. You should head over there and help fund the girl, but um, support the cause. But um, so I put that out. So it wasn't like it was some CD picture, it was a photograph. She's very proud of, looks very good in. And that was attached to the email. And ten minutes later, I got an email from someone saying, Hi there, can I possibly have a refund? I just saw a picture of Viper and bought a ticket. I didn't actually know what this event was and I can't go. So this man was so overwhelmed by the vision of Viper on his screen that without reading or thinking, he bought a £10 ticket to an event he could not go to. What did he think he was buying? But then, so following on from that, we uh, we had Lionheart announced for the show a couple of months ago, and um, Viper had literally messaged me saying, oh, can I please come? Like, because, you know, her and, her and Lionheart are quite good friends. And she went, oh, can I please just come? Like, just thanks to me in the crowd. I went, do you want to just 
come on. And I went, yeah, okay. So I just I posted a picture just online of Viper with a t- caption of just announced Viper will be returning to the one fall session. And I then got, I think, an email seven minutes later saying, uh, that's your ticket sold out. <laughs> I'm like, all right. <laughs> and there was a few left. Like, there was still a, still a fair while to promote and push. Like, yeah. So, yeah, so she's, she's the draw. Apparently, you just put her name and face on something, and um, that's it. Job, I, job think, I bought my ticket before she was announced I have to say <laughs> but I was there and she was absolutely brilliant the whole show was brilliant but she was in particular very funny that night Chim, very, very funny Chim is absolutely brilliant like yeah. she's just she's just the best it's not on my list but I just need to ask just in general does, do you still need to announce it as the draw before she speaks to you? I believe so yes yes I believe so even in private yeah she's she intense like yeah <laughs> Brilliant. Alright, so um, next question I've got to speak about is I've been watching obviously a lot of things you put on Facebook about frequently stalking you in your announcer page. <laughs> and, you've and everyone should at Simon Cassidy the announcer yeah, on Facebook. Should. Very good. I've got a pitiful number of followers on Facebook. Like, Instagram and Twitter are okay, but there's like maybe on Facebook. Uh, people, you hear the man. That could be a wee bit of market research saying, haven't they? Just spotted a buck in the trend. That's it. Maybe that's it. You know, if you're done, that's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. And you recently mentioned on your page that your very first interview was the anniversary of just being here. This is my very first interview for the oh, podcast. You're doing very well. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> but you took yours a whole different level. <laughs> your first interview was, is with the now Hall of Famer, Jeff Jarrett. Yes. How did that come about? <laughs> so um, I, was in a, I was in uni. And it was just after I kind of started doing the, the kind of wrestling shark stuff. But it wasn't even for that. In fact, no, I tell you, it was before the wrestling shark stuff. So I was in uni and I was the. I hosted a show on a Strathclyde Fusion called Now is the Winter of Our Discotheque. The award winning Now is the Winter of Our Discotheque. And I was doing that, I was studying journalism. And uh, I literally saw a thing that was like. Impact Wrestling DNA Impact coming to the UK and I was trying to get more experience and I was trying to get, make more stuff published because like, we kept getting told you need to do freelance work you need to do this you need to do that you need to try and get more you know, practical get out there and just on a whim I went on the Impact Impact website looked up the kind of like PR PR contact and message saying hi there my name's Sam Cassidy I'm a journalist for Strathclyde Fusion radio station based in Glasgow City Centre slightly flexible with the truth didn't mention the word student didn't mention didn't mention that just you know busy city centre radio station <laughs> which is not not a lie this podcast started for Fusion exactly yeah so so I sent, I sent that and literally within an hour I got an email back from a guy who's not quite a good friend Simon Rothstein who kind of handles the UKPR for that company saying hi Simon yeah sounds great we have a media day lined up with Jeff Jarrett on the 16th of January or something like that would be great if you could great if you could come along and we can line up a bit if you slot a photo call for you but, uh, sure I can do that I mean, if I'm honest, I think I was just thinking they'd maybe give us some passes to review a show or something, but no, no. So I went, went along to that, found a way to help kind of stammer and stutter and accidentally cosplaying as him, which I didn't realise until I looked back at the picture. <laughs> like, we're, we're wearing the same clothes. Yeah. We're wearing the same clothes, and my hair's not dissimilar from in that picture. To be fair, it is a great picture. Well, yeah, so went, went along, did that, and then kind of finished. Did okay, but that's mostly because he's such, he's such a good talker. It was very, very easy. And then I got, and falling off the back of that, the guy came back over and went, oh yeah, we're going out to film a bit in a training school, which was turning out to be the setup between him and Lionheart. 
but they were doing like a seminar beforehand and blah 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 and I went um, I was doing a seminar like um, STV are coming so and so is coming so and so is coming so, do you want to come? so I went from that's my first interview so I'm now going in the minivan with Jeff Jarrett and Karen their PR guy so folk for STV a couple of other newspaper, newspapers well he's doing media interviews in the front and then coming off and like just having a chat about yeah it was, like, it was, it was asking stuff like yeah yeah because I mean obviously at the time he was still very heavily involved with TNA mm-hmm. so he, he was like going yeah it's like what did WWE charge for, for tickets over here oh okay okay that's good to know and you know like what time slot do you guys get like Raw and Smackdown and stuff on you know how does that compare to an impact like so just kind of talking business and I was sitting I think it was I don't know 22 at the time how old am I god I was 23 I'm old Anyway, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so he was just kind of talking away, and then, then we got here and filmed this whole thing, and did a, like, another little extra interview, and drove back to his hotel with him, and uh, yeah, that was that was my first ever interview, and the real kicker of it is, my co-host on the radio did not like wrestling at all, like, at all, and I've arrived for the next week's show, and went, we're airing a 20-minute interview with Jeff Jarrett, so I don't know how the listenership reacted to it, but um, it seemed to kick off something, yeah. <laughs> and I suppose in hindsight, that was the day I kind of wandered down, wandered down a bit of a bad road. <laughs> Or a good road, depending how you choose to. I would say choose to be a good road. So that's how my first ever interview, well, you know, was with a WWE Hall of Famer, multi-time world champion, Jeff Jarrett. I mean, that's I mean, I get nervous just going to meet and shaking his hand and getting a picture with someone you're interviewing. That's amazing. I think it's one of the, one of those things. Where, like once you speak to him for a few minutes, you realise they're just a guy, it's just a person. It's and I think as long as you can treat that way, because nobody likes media days, nobody likes sitting, you know, going after it, interview after interview, people asking the same question. So just talk, just talk to people, just. Treat them like a human being, and just don't don't try and ask like kind of got your questions because realistically, there's no such thing as a shocking headline anymore. <clears throat> because you post a shocking headline, they would rep- they would reply to it on Twitter, and within three weeks, everyone's forgotten it was a thing. Yeah. So just enjoy it, have a chat, relax. <laughs> it's better this way. Not that I did any of that at the time. I had a strict script of questions that I stuttered my way through, and he carried me to the just finish. Like, just like me. You're doing fine. <laughs> and I'm not exactly Jeff Jarrett. <laughs> I'm a good Paisley boy. <laughs> I'm an un-Paisley, by the way. I'm not a Paisley boy here. Hold on. Don't worry, we're, we're okay. Promise. <laughs> right, so, next question is, I've got to ask, any wrestling format, what is your all-time favourite match? It's WWE, ICW, whatever. What is the absolute... I think... See, again, this is where I'm... I always find it very hard to put one de- one definitive answer. I think the best match I've ever watched is Undertaker versus Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 25. Because I don't know how you could do better than that. It was just perfection. Like, every beat was spot on. Every... Just every bell and whistle you could want in a match was there. Just perfect. But a match I find myself going back to watch probably more than any other. Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in a Cell. Yes. Because... Because frankly, it's not that good a match. It's just more shocking. But then, but I will never forget my reaction to going. Did he just throw him off that? And then the whole thing, like, right, that's the match over. They could have ended the show there, and everyone would still have gone. Did you watch that show last night? Did you see that? He's dead. That's it. But the fact he got up and back, and then went through again, and then went on to then have a brutal match. Yeah. And then the fact that you know, being the nerd that I am, now having read all the stuff and knowing. No, Undertaker had a broken foot. Mankind doesn't remember the second half of the match. Uh, his tooth was hanging out. Like, knowing all of this. Yeah. And, like, knowing that he was so concussed, they didn't know they'd use thumbtacks while they were picking them out of him. Like, it's hard not to watch that for a pure spectacle and go. Yeah. If social media was then, that would have been something. Yeah. Absolutely. If social media was then, you would have had an equal number of people going, that's ridiculous. Yeah. I would never watch that again. Furious. Can't wait for an alternate. <laughs> 
but then, but then the other one that I, I will quite often come back to is uh, Rock Austin Mania 17 Mania, Mania 17 just That's because most of the guys in the pod's favourite WrestleMania just it's very hard to argue it's not like I'm just, a saddle because I'm a huge rock fan he is my all time that's, that's, that's because oh he is the greatest of all time. Thank you. He is. There you go, Mr. Wilson. There you go. He, he is the greatest. Who, who do they say? Mr. Wilson says Stone Cold Steve Austin. Who is fantastic. Right, right. Here's, here's a controversial opinion for you. Oh. Here's a scoop. Here's a shock headline. Here you go. An exclusive. Right. I loved Stone Cold <laughs> in like 96, 97, 98, 99, when he was the rattlesnake, Steve yeah. Austin, Stone Cold. And he was like fighting the man and getting beaten down and overcoming the odds and blah blah I ended up fairly strongly bored and disliking Stone Cold for the same reason an awful lot of people used to not like John Cena he always won it didn't matter who you put him against he would come out on top and I remember, I remember the one that really it annoyed me more than it should have, because I was always more of a rock fan anyway. But I still love Stone Cold. I remember it was when like DX reformed in like two thousand or two thousand and one. Can't remember exactly. But they reformed and they took out, they took out Kane, they took out the Rock, they decimated the entire locker room. And then it was like on the SmackDown that week, Stone Cold came back and caught them in a net and like locked them in a cupboard and jumped them from behind and just one by one took them out. And it was like, all right, so he's so much better than your entire roster yeah. that within a week. If John Cena did that now, or Roman Reigns did that now, yeah. can you imagine how much they get buried? Yeah. But because it was still cold, it was yeah. fine. Kind of like the invasion angle, WWE are getting killed, yeah. and the next thing he comes back, one punches everyone, and, and the yet, clear. And yeah, I'm an absolute hypocrite because I think that's a great moment. I know, I love it. Like, <laughs> but I think the thing is, like, but that's what big tries are good. Like, you're meant to not like certain things. You're meant mm. to not. And realistically, looking back, that did inevitably lead to him obviously realising this and turning heel. Mm-hmm. because the man's smarter than we are he knows yeah. more than we do yeah. <laughs> like I remember him referring to himself once say I've got a PhD in this ring and it's like yeah you do like because there must have been other people who were seeing the same things Yeah, and they must have felt that it was getting a bit cyclical so he joined Miss McMahon yeah. which was genius <laughs> and everyone still talks about it no. No. Like, I mean, WrestleMania 17 broke my heart because it's like Rob Ross, and this is how big a rock fan I am. It doesn't matter how good the match was, a good view. If he lost, I would not buy it in DVD <laughs> or video. So, my favourite WrestleMania is 18 because he beats Hogan. Oh, what a match that is, by the way. That is a great match. That's story right That's forming oh, yeah. that. Because he's going in his face, then he comes heel, and then he's back in the face. I remember yeah. the I remember the best summary I've ever heard of that match was I think it was it may have been John Cena, that if you turn off the crowd, it's terrible. Like if you watch it on mute Right. Without the commentary, without the audience reaction, it's a shocking match. But when you add all those factors into it, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think that's that's what makes wrestling great. Yeah. Like I I love matches that have got a story to them. <laughs> that have got you know like moves that make sense and are in the right place and yeah. are kinda leading towards something mm. or fall on from something. So to me you can't take away things like the crowd because I like matches where they do one move and then one guy sells for yeah. a long time and then the other guy just basks in and like beats and beats and beats. Almost nothing can happen. I remember I believe it was um the the wonderful team known as Polo Promotions. They described their style as we do nothing and slowly. And they're probably the best tag team that we've had in the last ten years. <laughs> Up to arm, yeah. Yeah. Hogan did very little. But he's probably the greatest wrestler of all time. <laughs> Rick, Rick Flair would have hour long matches, but he would know how to spend an awful lot of it lying down. 
yeah. pacing himself and build something and everything had a meaning and a purpose which is why there's, there's some things that I get why people enjoy watching it like you know a lot of the high flying stuff is great but I will always come back to and this is going to sound like a very kind of sucking up answer to the it's why I think WWE does things like Cruiserweights better than a lot of indies <laughs> and why I think ICW with like the Zero G division and their kind of heavyweight division and the way they structure matches and tell them why I think they do things better than almost anywhere else because there's a reason for everything it's not just as much folk go ah, that's deathmatch wrestling it's nonsense it's blood it's guts but it's still told and done in the right way yeah. so it works also match ICW is tremendous and yeah. I've heard people say it's the higher standard than WWE again I think it's that's what I was saying I think it all comes down to personal taste yeah. but I think I was actually delighted to see that um, I know FSM have just announced ICW won the uh, UK promotion of the year which I don't think it'd be controversial I don't think many people expected that but the fact is I think we should have mm-hmm. because I, I defy anyone to go back over the last 12 months of ICW and name a company that's consistently put on better matches yeah. with better storylines more unpredictable twists that have ultimately culminated in something meaningful yeah it's I, I think the last 12 months have been amazing and I do think it's going to get better yeah I know we mean the twist because we do sweepstakes for every pay-per-view with WWE uh, we'll be oh, yeah. for ICW and the amount of times I have been screwed out that title <laughs> it's unreal I was about to win it for loading and I, I just been sorry right, right over right, but, who, who did you have for loading Reloading, the match actually cost me was the ladder match. I thought, right, Kinder okay. Cat is there to take. And everyone bar one person went Kinder Cat, and the one person didn't went POD. Yeah. That was James and he, and he won the title. To be fair, POD are incredible. They are incredible. But I think all people just thought this is their time. Yeah. You know, and, and I was seeing, I was saying, what the hell, I've got a title and found the next day. I know what? See the twist? We all have, like, we're, all, we're, quite, we're quite good in fact, yes. Yeah. But nobody ever gets 100% my CW. No. Well, I mean, I think that, again, come back to my obvious bias, the most obvious example I would say is no one thought DCT was winning the title. No one. Some people in our sweet state had them. A lot of people wanted him to. No one thought he was. Like, I, was I was quite high between yeah. them. Because I like both camps, I like the way they build up, I like the way they both perform, very different wrestles. So yeah. I was like, if he loses, he doesn't win the title. Yeah, I'm not going to be upset because he wins, but yeah. I was quite happy. Yeah. I think it's one of the jacket line up, yeah. fuck them. But at the end of the match, I couldn't care who won because I like them both equally. Yeah. And I'd be happy you know. I, I would I would I would very much argue that I think the the best feuds in ICW in the last year were I think Jackie and Lionheart. Oh yeah. One because I think from where it started to where it ended, like I mean if you if you had to break it down, it started with Jackie trying to retire. Mm-hmm. And then a discussion with Dallas in the Polo Promotions office in the suit and tie and blah blah. So a cowboy with a split personality whipping a man in front of three thousand people. And then I defy a match to have a better ending than the polo mallet breaking in half. Yeah. Like, that t- told, o- told over a year. Yeah. And only having three matches in that time. Yeah. To me, that's a great story. Mm-hmm. But on the flip side, DCT and Stevie very subtly started feuding at like, the start of the year. Because yeah. they had a match, the, the uh, D1, and then they weren't really on parallels. DCT was kind of wrestling other folk and then came back to it. But when they came back to it like that they were off the races mm-hmm. it was every show yeah. there was something happening with them and then it culminated in this big thing that everybody was like wait what is this alright oh, 
It's a bit weird, but okay. And then, boom, title change. Yeah. That's... It's a great match as well. I would argue it should be up there for a match of the year contender because okay it, might, it wasn't a traditional one on one two on two but it had all the bells and whistles yes. that you could possibly throw at a match also I don't know when he learned to do an off the chair code breaker but it's one of the few things that I've watched live and went oh my god what you can't do that <laughs> some of those GR moments where you just go good god that man has a family yeah and I think Stevie is just one of the best in the UK. Yes. One of the best in the world, but comfortably. I cannot wait for him to get back. Mm-hmm. I think it's such a shame the timing of his injury. And yeah. even outside ICW, with World of Sport and everything that's happened out, like, ah, oh, of all the times to get, to get cut down. Yeah, oh. it was great. The fact that a lot of people were commenting when he appeared, uh, Fina Logan, and he was walking. Yep. That got a lot of people buzzed. like, he's a walking. That's unbelievable. I mean, it wasn't long after his operation. I mean, I'm, I'll throw it. I don't know if he's keeping us quiet, but I have not to, you know, I mean, can you tell I'm, I'm, I'm jacked so I'm at the gym a lot but <laughs> I can see <laughs> but um, all, without getting into too much detail I have I have seen him in the gym the things he is currently doing you shouldn't be able to do with his leg yeah. so that's that's all I went to but I genuinely think he's going to come back better from this and it will be his year Good. as much as this year was going to be should have been, when he comes back I don't really know if anyone else has a chance. It's, uh-huh. I, I think he's that good. And I think I've seen that for all the fans, so we can't wait for that. Oh, yeah. And we wish him well. And, you know, when he did say he was going to be out for a long, long time, there was a lot of it's, it, it's, a, it's a long recovery. It's a, yeah. it's a bad one. Like, it's, it's, not, it's not my story to tell, but it's... So, yeah. Stevie, get well. Get yes, well soon. Get well soon. So, the last major question I've got to ask you... Okay. Is who has been your biggest influence in your career thus far? In terms of people I've watched or in terms of people I've known? Anything. Whoever you drive I mean, anyone that doesn't see that I am ripping off Bruce Buffer and Howard Finkel. I have been thinking that about Finkel for a while. <laughs> what, what ring announcer isn't ripping off Howard Finkel? Anyone that isn't should be. He is the greatest ring announcer of all time. The, the way I say and new is not the way I say and new. I do it because I'm doing a very poor Scottish impression of Howard Finkel. And because it sounds better than I can say. You're ever Howard Finkel. Well, I think he'd had like 40 years on the clock to, to rack up that accolade. But no, I, I would say in terms of announcers, Howard Finkel and Bruce Buffer is the man. Like, any match that man announces is the main event. It just, it feels like it, it sounds like it and... Yeah. I, that's what I've gone for in every single match I even do a spin I didn't come up with that on my own I stole that <laughs> like you should always steal from the best <laughs> my old job I won't name where it was but be the mortal uh, steal the pride that was yes. our best practice he's not had to steal crossbow saying that it's best practice steal the pride it's yeah. cool Sharing best, sharing, sharing best practice. Yes, exactly. But no, imitation is a sincerest form of flattery. Yes, So I, I would say in terms of ring announcers, Bruce Buffer and Howard Finkel, I think are probably the two best of all time. Yeah. In terms of people I've kind of worked with, literally anyone that's ever given me advice or travel with me. I think the main thing with being an announcer is, and doing it as kind of often as I do, is because you end up becoming friends with so many wrestlers and talking to them and asking their advice and asking their opinion and actually seeing how their minds work and things like you just get a much much better understanding of what you're actually part of and realise what you need to do better and that maybe you need to get out of the way a bit quicker or maybe you need to make sure you're keeping an eye out to give somebody the mic and maybe there's cues that you need to be watching like just getting that experience of talking to as many people as you can and I could be wasting this on nothing but I do get the impression an awful lot of announcers are to a degree 
anxious to talk to wrestlers and they feel that they're maybe not part of it and they're maybe not it's not their place to ask things well my genuine advice would be one do a bit of training because you should know what you're what they're going through two probably accept you're not good enough and quit <laughs> Fair. Um, because there's plenty of other things you can be doing that hurt less <laughs> and I think involve yourself ask questions ask for feedback speak to them help with the ring help with all it do all the things that other people are expected to do because you'll get further than just being the shy person that currently goes out learn how to do it without notes it's a real bugbear of mine I get needing notes for the first while or if you're somewhere new mm. or if there's a lot of new names and you've got a lot to take in or it's a really big show I get that or if you're unboxing or MMA because yeah. you've got sponsors and this and that yeah. and like Jim, wait blah, blah. I get that most the UK is to a degree small enough that you can be familiar enough with everyone's work to know at least roughly what their introduction is so learn it and have small notes in your pocket in case of emergency yeah the nut or if you do need notes, because there is nothing wrong with that, I'm being unfairly critical, because I used to use them. If you need notes, make them small. Like, have we, the number of people I see with an A4 piece of paper, or the worst thing that I've ever seen, somebody with a notepad that they were flipping pages over. It's like, what are you doing? Like, someone has paid money to come and watch this. Someone's paid money to bring their kid to it, because it's what they see on TV, it's what they expect. So... Just what I was saying, steal from the best. Mm. Look at look at her Finkel, look at the current WWE announcers, look at the impact announcers. If they don't have notes, that should tell you something. Yeah. And if you walk out and you seem nervous, like if you say anything loud enough with confidence, people think you're right. <laughs> I gave Joe Coffey the wrong weight three shows ago and still nobody's noticed. <laughs> Joe Coffey does not weigh 160 pounds. <laughs> no one's noticed. And now they're all going to go yeah. back us. <laughs> yeah, but you... But no, I'm, all I'm doing is boosting the on-demand figures because now everyone has to go back and see. <laughs> yeah. Like, and the other thing is, it's okay to mess up. Like, you need to know, like, in my career, there was a night William Regal was in the crowd. Turned out he was scouting a certain Mr. Nolan Dar for the, the Cruiserweight Classic. Well, he was in the crowd watching the show, and I get in the ring, and we'd also been told, by the way, Lad Bible are going to be streaming this live. So, you know, big audience tells it. Okay, Simon. Right, Manchester, New City as well. Right. A lot of pressure. And I can see Regal, he's hiding up in the balcony. We're like, right, time's shy. Billy's just introduced me to him backstage and we're like, best in the UK, keep an eye on this one. And I went, right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, coming to you live from the Ritz in Manchester, England, it's now time for your main event of the evening. And Sean just leaned in and went, no, it's not. <laughs> and I went, what? And I went, no, it's not. <laughs> I went, it's not. And I went, no, I'm in Wolfie. <laughs> and then the microphone went, oh, shit. <laughs> Folks, apparently it's not taking <laughs> And the second time I've made such a catastrophic error was fairly recently. I forgot about... I forgot there was a match in the show and went to announce the main event and it was Isla Dawn versus Jokey still to go on and Kelly and Dame was backstage for one night only. So, you know, I only mess up, you know, when, the, when it's high stakes. Yeah. <laughs> But WWE's in the vicinity, yeah. basically. But, but again, the thing is, again, the thing is, laugh it off, roll with it. Yeah. Don't be scared to watch. Yeah. But they're also giving us your fault anyway. So. Exactly. So you're just loving up for the name. The irony is, when it, the irony is, when it's my fault, no one chance it's your fault. Everyone misses that very obvious opportunity. <laughs> yeah, so, I don't remember the question. I went in a bit of a rant about notes. Which, uh, no, yeah, I think you're more... Which was poorly founded. I used to use notes. I'm just... I'm, I'm hiding my A4 here. I'm, I'm, I'm here interviewing this stuff. There's a lot to take in. <laughs> Great, right, so, the next section is quick fire. Okay. First answer. So, like, okay. first thing that's my head idea? 
I'll give you I'll give you the first one. We'll do it slow then the rest. We go all in. Okay. okay. So the first one is Rock or Austin. Rock. Right. Most of all of that, there is a few but you only need to come up with an answer on the spot. Right, right. Okay. okay. Trish or Lita? Trish. Cody or Omega? Oh, right. Cody. Rollins or Ambrose? Uh, Rollins. McIntyre or Reigns? McIntyre. Night in or night out? Night in or night out? Yep. Night out. Oh. Aye. PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation. Favourite wrestling paper here? Mania 19, maybe. Favourite wrestling game? Smackdown. You've already answered this, but I'm going to just say it again. Favourite venue you performed at? I think I'm going to surprise you because it's the Maryland. Good shout. Dream opponent? Um, the Rock. <laughs> Favourite tag team? Uh, Legion of Doom. Favourite wrestler of all time? If you can't imagine. I think it'll have to be The Rock. Even though I... I don't think he's the best of all time. I always say, I always say I think Shawn Michaels is the best of all time, but The Rock's my favourite of all time. Yeah, The Rock. Fair enough. I'll add one extra in. Who's your Mount Rushmore? Oh, God. Rock, Mick Foley, Edge, Shawn Michaels. I think he's on Mount Rushmore. Is that four? Yeah, that. Excellent. Your favourite ICW wrestler? Uh, presently? Or ever? Ever. Wait, what? what? Silly question. Um, honestly, at the moment, probably Mark Coffey. Because I think he's on to something that's going to show everybody why he is where he is. Favourite one full panel? Oh, this seems a harsh question. Yes, boss? <laughs> Favourite one full panelist? Potentially. In fact, the draw. Because I'm not sure I can bear to live with myself if the draw is not the answer. Fair enough. Right, this is going to get awkward now. DCT or Stevie Boy? Come on, DCT. And lastly, Viper or Kaylee Ray? Ah, Viper. One full sponsored performance, come on. Exactly. <laughs> well, Sam, thank you very much for your time. No, thank you. Greatly appreciated. And again, thanks very much for listening. Take care now. Thank you. Listen, cunts, I don't care what the fuck you think you're doing. Whatever you think is more important with your life, you honking bag of d- tips. You know what you should be doing? You should be going online, you should be subscribing, you should be listening to the back catalogue of Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet, whatever the fuck you're doing, that's what you should be doing. I don't care if it's your mum's birthday, I don't care if she's feeling contractions. Get on it right now!